0: All right, I'll pray for us, and then we'll start. Father, thank you for um, your word, your truths that you reveal to us. We pray, Father, that we would um, just continue to grow in it, and that we would continue to grow in uh, curiosity and um, and wonder as we uh, kind of dig through uh, various uh, um, uh, topics of theology, Father, and that, um, yeah, that ultimately we would just love you more for it, Father, and that we would know how you relate to us and how we relate to you god and that we would um just feel love for you god so um we pray father that as we uh, talk about providence that you would be here that you would uh, stir up good discussions and um and father that we would just uh um, just continue to fall in love with you god love you so much in jesus name amen. Amen. amen all right so this is th- uh, we're talking about providence of God. So this is sup- supposed to be a really simple, simple um, uh, presentation, I guess. Uh, so this is by no means very exhaustive. There's so much we can talk about. There's so many different um, things that kind of branch off of these things, and so many things that I don't even know yet, right? So things that I'm still trying to grasp. And so this is uh, going to be just an overview, uh, a simple overview of everything, and just so you can. Um, have a kind of a framework to work off of. Right? All of us fall into one of these categories, maybe a mixture of it, or um, and so yeah. I mean, it's just good to help us to understand where we stand and um, what is the biblical model of providence, and um, as we wrestle with that, we'll, we'll um, hopefully grow in that. So, so um, I think the thing that that um, that I was trying to figure out before was like, oh, sovereign. And providence sounds so similar, right? Because every time we talk about something happening, then we're like, oh, God is sovereign over it, whatever it is. So I figured out, so it's sovereign is, they're very similar, but sovereign is more of an attribute, right? Mm -hmm. So you have sovereign. uh, I spelled that wrong. E-I-G-N. Yeah, sovereign. (laughs) uh, Which is more of his attributes, right? More of an attribute of God. It means he's supreme, right? He's supreme, he's uh, the ultimate authority over everything. He's um, dependent on nothing, so independent, right? That sounds better, dependent on nothing. Right? So he's, soft, he's, he's ultimate. Right? And then we have providence, which is more of what he does, more of this action, how he interacts with creation, right? So, we'll say action. Um, He, what he provides, he governs, uh, he sustains, right? Does that make sense? So, it's kind of, they're kind of similar, but um, it's just kind of how, uh, this is kind of who he is, this is how it plays out, right? Okay, so, so we're going to talk about what providence is, um, and providence is uh, defined differently by, by these different camps, right? And so um, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the formal Calvinistic view, and then we're going to talk about um, briefly about the Arminius and then the Armenians and uh, <coughs> what they believe. Right? Yeah. Any
1: questions so far?
0: I'm sure you got a hand up? Okay. Let's go ahead. Um okay. So I'm just uh, very briefly this is kind of how <coughs> I see it. Maybe this is too simplistic and uh simplistic, but let's 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 do this. Let's say there's a reform, right? Uh reform model right? Is- model. This is kind of in a nutshell. It's, it's um, maybe it's not right if <laughs> I'm but the form is more of God has kind of written a story, right? Um, he's written a story, and He knows. He knows intimately the story, right? He knows intimately the story because He wrote it, right? So He knows everything that's going to happen. He knows everything that's going to go down. Um, the Armenians say it's more of. Um, uh, God has uh, created um, he has created this world created humans with free will and he he sovereignly kind of just uh, uh, allows them to um, allows it to play out so nothing is predetermined right yet he knows it because he created it um, he that's a good for it. maybe, maybe he
2: had the characters write the story.
0: Yes, yes. Kind of, it's kind of, away. kind of. If you do Sims, right? Uh, you, you lay out, lay out, um, You build a little village, and then you kind of just let it run, in a sense, right? Um, not quite, but in a sense. So, kind of lets it go. <coughs> let's let's uh, characters take its course. Or let's creation take its course, right? Take course. And, he, and, and then he, uh, he knows the extent, he knows everything. So he's able to view all of this. He knows it all. He kind of kind of plays out, and he knows everything that's going to happen, right? He knows everything that's going to happen, right? And then here, um, he creates. He lets take course. Let's creation take his course and he inserts himself into the story not that he doesn't hear but he he inserts himself in the story um, God inserts himself in the story and he um, doesn't know what's going to happen right some things are predetermined other things are mostly it's open right so he's he's time with us he's uh, he sees times he sees events just like we do and he reacts as as uh, time progresses does that make sense so, so this is this is what we're going to talk about. Um, you guys have any questions? Maybe it's a little bit simplistic, but um, kind of in general, that's that's just a. Yes.
3: This um, did you use a low odor marker? Actually, it's, it's not related. That that marker is not of the low odor variety.
0: Oh, is the odor is bothering you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no problem. Uh these are all the same
3: though. No, that as one says loader. That, as has as load. that yes. one has different levels loader. Uh, okay. Lower. I I over these. Yeah. okay. Yeah, no worries. Thanks.
0: Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um you any questions so far? Straight
2: <laughs>
1: So <coughs> never mind. I have a question. Yes. For open theists, yes. would they say that um, mm so they would still say that God is sovereign but yes he chooses to refrain his sovereignty yes while because he like grafts himself into like his human history therefore yes. he kind of like plays along with us yes yeah he self limits <coughs> he self limits he sovereignly self limits so they still say
0: he's sovereign same with arminians um they say because when we think of sovereignty, we think of a lot of times we talk about it in the kind of the classic understanding of of um, providence, right? It's right. like that he's in, he's he knows everything, he's he does everything, right? And mm-hmm. so we take comfort in that. But these guys they say he's still sovereign, he's still um, he's still deeply intimate, but he he self limits.
3: He's uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. he self limits himself. What is what is the god of open theism and how is he different from the god of Arminianism? As in, what attribute does an open yeah. theist attribute to God and how is that different from someone who's Arminian? That, right, that, right. That's a different way of asking what's the difference between these yeah, two. Yeah, these are
0: very close. The thing is that this one, God is, um, he doesn't know the future. He's, he doesn't have his foreknowledge is um, they say that it's a couple we'll about this, but they say that he's um, the god of the open theist they he doesn't know the extensive um, history, all that's going to happen whereas Armenians understand foreknowledge and, and all these things as God had God is outside of time he's both inside and outside of time. Here God is only inside of time he's not outside of time.
2: So in this, sorry. So in this model, um, they say that God knows everything that can be known, but they say that the future can't be known by anyone, <coughs> including <coughs> God, because mm. it being the future is by definition not knowable.
3: That elevates choice to an extremely yes. high state. Um, uh, this
0: is—I don't think this is—this is almost uh, not evangelical in a sense like it, the theology just gets crazy. But I think I know uh, one guy that I read is Greg Boyd, um, and he's he's he holds the script- inerrancy of scripture, and he holds to all these things. But he just believes that um, that yeah, he, he he thinks this is a good model because he sees in scripture like how God uh, expresses Himself. He re- rep- he relents, he changes his mind, he he's frustrated, he regrets, right? Mm-hmm. And then he sees all these things, and he's like, oh, this,
4: this is how
3: God. Um, these are these attributes, right? And so you do have to kind of read those passages and figure out what, why they're saying those things. Yes, and why exactly, God exactly. Does do those things? Yes. Yeah.
0: So this is why, this is why this is. I, I, it's not at all convincing. I mean, like the um, the arguments that you he put out and how he kind of um, argues with uh, the the classic view. It just it doesn't doesn't fit for me. But uh, I don't think there are a lot of open theists it's, it's more rare. Most people are Armenian, I think.
1: And then, uh, they're, they're not, there aren't as many of them, but then they've, um, they've developed a voice where people actually listen to them. So mm.
2: Kind of a trendy group.
4: <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're making an argument um, based on a, a real problem in the Reformed view. Because mm. if God is sovereign, he knows everything, he does everything. Um, everything that happens is because of him. Then it introduces the problem of evil. Yep. So open theists are trying to um, ask, how can God be a good God and still not be an author of evil? Also, there's an attractive aspect in that open theists say God is on an adventure just like us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how the story is going to end. Yeah. He's on the edge of his seat <coughs> and he's with us, experiencing the twists and turns of history along with us. Yes. And they say the reformed God is kind of this very distant God who doesn't feel. The emotion, the emotional turmoil. <laughs> yes. And yes. kind of cold. he just he knows everything that's gonna happen. Yeah. Would it be yes. fair to say that all three of them have very different definitions of what sovereign means? Yes. Yeah.
0: They have different definitions of predestination, of free will, um, and yeah. We're gonna talk about. That. Well, let's let's talk about the Ovidius first briefly. Uh, while we're on the topic, right? Uh, so, trying to take the second page another side. Um, we we'll just want to do this quickly. We'll run to the Armenian. Um, fairly quickly, um, and then we'll talk about the reform view and kind of how they interact with each other, right? So, this is, uh, yeah. So, li- like I said, like uh, um, uh, I read Greg Boyd, and he he just he's heavy on just uh, like passages. Like he has a ton of passages of how God um, um, expresses himself, right? He's disappointed. He's uh, he's surprised. He's frustrated. He regrets. He risks. He asks questions about the future he tests people to know their character, changes his mind in action towards certain situations and so um, Greg Boyd and Obantheist, they take this to mean that this is God, this is actually how he is, right? Whereas um, these people here, they will say that this is how, this is. I think it's what we call anthropomorphism, mm-hmm. where it's just kind of how God expresses and relates to humanity so that we understand him in a certain way, right? Um Yeah, so he's he's uh, God operates in um, time and space. I would say only right. He doesn't have this overview of what's going to happen. Nothing is predetermined whatsoever, right? Besides a few a few things um, that Scripture clearly teaches, right? So they say he's is partly predetermined, but mostly open. Right?
4: So future is mostly open. I think um, that the, the thing you mentioned about emotions is very very important. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the reformed <coughs> view so I'm being reformed I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's correct the reformed view maintains the paradox so God at the same time um, cannot suffer yeah. he doesn't experience turmoil mm-hmm. he's not surprised but at the same time and this is a paradox he also <coughs> feels grief sadness um, joy happiness mm-hmm. he, yeah, he has a emotion, rich emotional life mm-hmm. Obinthea says that doesn't make any sense we're just talking nonsense yeah. How can it be both? Yeah. So, the open theist says, I want the, the emotional God. I want the God who feels deeply, mm-hmm. who is crying with us, who suffers with us. And therefore, the only way you can get that God is you have to eliminate sovereignty. Yeah. Um, I think that's an extremely powerful argument. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear your answer So, like, timeline wise, did open theism become. Um, of rise after Arminianism, kind of as a modification of Arminianism. Mm-hmm. So I don't that, think it's is sad. There that
0: the, These things just kind of popped up. I, I mean, I'm sure there are always open theists like from the beginning of yeah. the church, right? It's just how, like, a it's related, thing. but it
4: came out of a different mm-hmm. question. I think the, the open theist really mm-hmm. was asking, like, uh, you've heard this statement before, right? If you really love someone, you're not going to control them. Yeah. You're going to let them be. Yeah. You. They very much elevate
0: choice and human free will, as Whoa. do Arminians. I think it's in some
3: contexts. Well, I was going to say that it seems like open theism comes from kind of a starts from a kind of a, a human kind of understanding, mm-hmm. understanding of human how humans are, and yeah. kind of says this must be how God is. Yes. Yeah, very much
0: so, yeah. And, um, and Greg Boyd's uh, just uh, his his arguments against you know predestination and things like that he is, is very weak. It's like. Uh, not at all. <laughs> to that, right? Like, <coughs> he's just trying to fit his view into into other passages that clearly, clearly teach God's sovereignty, God, God you know, predestination, and free will, and things like that, right? So that's yeah, good. Um, uh, who who yes. wrote this? Uh, Obvious? Uh, no, oh, no, no, the no. One uh, I'm talking about? Yeah, the book you you mentioned oh, four uh, or five Boyd. times now. Yeah. Greg Boyd. Okay, yeah. He's he's like a pretty good proponent. I think I think Piper tried to get. Um, oh,
3: Greg Boyd. I kept I kept thinking yeah. that you. I thought you kept saying Great Void. I'm like what what who who wrote this book
4: called Great Void? Very short book. If you want to learn more about that.
3: No, I've already I've already read one okay. open is so I don't need to do another.
0: Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so <coughs> if you look at these uh, pages then it's kind of um, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, I have yeah. Each, each, uh, the reform the Armenian and open theist. Uh, we're going to talk about the providence foreknowledge, human free will, which we've been doing predestination, evil, and dangers of this of this view. So providence is more of providence is all these things down under it. It's just that it's kind of more general, right? So God sovereignly sets the nature of things to be open. So they they say he's still sovereign because he he, he self limits, right? Like we talked about, future is partly determined, mostly open. Uh, purposely chooses to limit himself from predetermining and controlling the future. God is a god of risk and possibilities, right? So he he knowingly allows human free will to do its run its course, do its thing, right? Um, because he does not want to um, compromise human free will in a sense. Does that make sense? Uh, foreknowledge, he determines some, but not all, of future. He's omniscient in the sense that he fully knows the present. Um, his exhaustive knowledge of the present and the past, which allows him to predict patterns and likely possible outcomes um, for events, for the choices that we make. Right. Um, however, people can deviate and make all their decisions completely free apart from God's influence. Right. So. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like what um, Pastor Michael was saying—that God grows in knowledge; he experiences things that we experience. He uh, reacts, he adapts, he adjusts uh, in order to accomplish his purposes, right? So he has things in mind. He he has things he wants to see done, but it's more of a reaction and um, adapting to things that happen. Does
1: that make sense? Yes. So how do they reconcile, like, when in the Bible, where God is in control of like mm-hmm. people's hearts, or um, would yeah. they say that those are the only like exceptions? Yes,
0: yeah, they, they take those more and like those are the context. The context is just within there. It was it's not like uh, the same across the board um, for everybody. Right? They, they'll say that those are only um,
3: special circumstances. yeah yeah. So sometimes he takes control of yes. people's emotions. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, That's problematic. Human yeah. free will um, is what they call like libertarian free- freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, man is completely free to choose evil or good apart from God working in them. So the reform Calvinists define free will differently in the sense that human free will, yeah. will is corrupted and it cannot choose good, right? But um, Arminians and open theists both hold to this uh, libertarian free will, which says that
3: um, not exactly. My understanding of Arminianism was that uh, once God had given someone some amount of faith, that he was able to choose good. It, it seems like an open theist. If he holds that view, he might say something like: "The very fact that God created humans was enough good for humans to have chosen good." Yeah. Yes, is that a
0: question, or does he just? Does that a well, is is
3: that is that what you're in fact saying? Because um, what what you're saying before is that what what it sounded like what you were saying before is that Armenianism and open theism in both views humans have the exact same amount of free will.
0: Right. Choose. Well, I, I guess uh, they kind of. Um, um, yeah, well how I see it is that they, they hold to a libertarian free will as do open theists in the sense that um, they can even though there is in the sense we there, god God's grace gives grace to kind of in the entirety of humanity in the Armenians, right? That they are that they do have good, that they're able to choose it. For this I'm I'm not as so I guess
2: the the, the 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 theological and philosophical construct is different, but the practical result is the same that mm-hmm. um for whatever reason, libertarian free will
3: exists. Yes, it, it is true that Arminians can have that um, <coughs> can have that problem to their theology, and sometimes it can look like that. But the thing is, open theism seems to be compatible with Pelagianism, which is a condemned heresy by the Church. Whereas Arminianism seems to at least have a few defensible points in which it doesn't have that heresy, mm-hmm. and. That does mean that we can consider Armenians to be um, Orthodox Christians, whereas yes. it is extremely po- problematic to consider an Open Theist um, having that level of orthodoxy. So it it, it, it it is significant. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, was, and so I think like even. Um, evangelicals and, and even Piper was fighting about fighting against Great Boy to say that no he, he can't be a part of the rock and so um, somehow he's uh, Great boy specifically maybe not perhaps um, all of the kind foot of, in the door I guess um, so that's human free will predestination God has predestined certain things to happen in a general manner um meaning that um, he, God knows, God sees um, uh, the future in, in, in the sense that he's going to accomplish his will for the church, right? But he doesn't predestine individuals. He predestines that the church is going to um, um, you know, come to fruition and, and be consummated on the final day, right? And so uh, that's how he sees it, very general, um, kind of a weak argument. Evil caused by human free will, obviously, right? Uh, dangers of this view: God might be seen as a weak God. Seems like He is neither omniscient nor omnipotent. Right? Um.
2: Dependent on probability. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, so this open theist Armenians. Let's run through really quickly. Um, uh, God suddenly sets the nature of humans. So, very similar to open theist, He sets. He says, "This is how human free will is. I'm not going to um, tamper with this libertarian free will because ultimately." Choice, the um, the choice of man is important. Like, like it would be crazy. I mean to say, it would be crazy for the God to, um, to, you know, to, to choose people in the sense that um, they cannot choose. Does that make sense? So, 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 if you look down, let's see. If you look down at free will, people are free to choose their evil. Those who choose God are elect. So they explain predestination and and the, those who are elect as He sees it in time, right? So here's let's say this is a timeline, right? Here's God. Um, here's here's us choosing like at different times, right? Mm-hmm. He's able to look at the, all of all of time, and he says, "Okay, this guy's going to choose. Like Harry's going to choose at this point, so so he's allowed." Whereas um, the Calvinist, the reform will say, "Here's time. God is God sees all of time as well, and he's intimate with time." But he has written the story. So he's written the story. He's decreed all things. He has determined predetermined all things. And he has chosen Harry here. So he the elect are here because he's he chose them. He chose. Whereas here, we choose. Right? So so the understanding of predestination, the understanding of um, the elect are... In a sense, kind of defined differently cut out from this view, from these two
2: different views. So really, graphically, um, you could say that in the Arminian scheme, you become elect along the timeline. In the Reformed view, the elect are actually, the, the number of the elect are actually outside of the timeline. So you kind of have the word elect written between God and the timeline, yes. and people choose to follow God at certain points on the timeline, but their election actually stands um, completely outside of that timeline.
0: Yes. Do you guys have any questions before? Pretty quick. <laughs> okay. So this is just really quick. Uh, I know we spent a lot of time on that, but we'll talk about the rest of the time we're going to spend on kind of the. A reformed Calvinistic view. I'm, just, I'm so convinced of this. I mean, I. Uh, if you want to read uh, anyone from the Armenians, uh, Jack Guttrel, he's a good theologian for the Armenians. He's a uh, he's a good read. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't convincing.
2: Olson, Odin. Yes,
0: a lot of a lot of good Armenians.
2: Armenius himself.
0: Yes, <laughs> uh, it's not convincing, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, this. It's, You know, this is very simplistic, not exhaustive, so uh, do your studies and and try to figure that out. So, for the Reformed Calvinistic view, if you turn back to the first page. um, So, so in this view, God decrees and is in control of every action. He is providential over everything, which includes salvation salvation of individuals and evil, right? And we'll talk about that in a bit. Um touch on a couple of these verses uh, really quickly. Um, if you look at Proverbs sixteen thirty three, even the seemingly random things are of God, right? Proverbs, it says, the lot is cast into the lap, um, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So the lot is kind of like um, a roll of the dice, right? It's, it's random, supposedly random, but even random things are decisions, are from are God, right? Daniel 4.35 if you look at the bold, he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth he, he say? Um, yeah, if you look at 1 Samuel seven as well, the Lord kills and brings to life he bring, brings down the shield and raises up the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings willing souls. I mean, just these are just a, a, um, a small snippet of some of the texts that just, just really talk about God's providence over everything, right, e- including evil. Uh, foreknowledge, number two, he knows all that will happen um, because he has decreed and predetermined it to happen life, like we talked about. Um, look at Psalm 139, 16. It says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. So even before the days, our days, even before we were formed, God already knew everything, right? He knew all our days, right? So he knows extensively um, um, everything that's going to happen, right? For human free will, um, there's no libertarian freedom. Human free will has been corrupted, and men cannot choose God, right? And so this this is important to understand because... Um, home view or, or you know, it's just. To me, it's t- it's really clear in scripture that. Um, from the text is that there's this, uh, what Bruce Ware calls a freedom of inclination. Bruce Ware believes in this meticulous providence. Metic- meticulous providence is just, is, is kind of self-explanatory, right? It's just that. Uh, God is providential over every single thing, every mm-hmm. little action, um, all these little, um, even me talking up here today, waving this pen right. He's in control of that, right? So, but for human free will, he says there's this freedom of inclination. That says that we will human human beings will always choose what they most desire right does that make sense but the bible says that uh, sinful men can never choose God they can never choose good in a real sense right we're always going to choose evil because of sin right because of our sinful natures so um, do we have human free will yeah I mean we, 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 we live it out we have in a sense a free will but our free will is limited because of sin does that make sense so given um, the choice to do good or evil, um, if you're not regenerate, you're going to choose evil every single time, in the sense that you're not going to glorify God, right? You're not going to choose God on your own, because you cannot. It, right? Romans 3, 10 to 12, I'll just read these. Um, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Romans 8, 7-8 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Does that make sense? Yes,
4: please. So, in terms of God's providence over evil, mm-hmm. um, is it that he does have the power to stop evil but he chooses not to, and he chooses to? he allows us to step into sin because he loves us and because he is a um, What
0: was that last part you said? He allows us to mm-hmm.
4: sin. Um, oh, yeah, allows us to sin.
0: Um, yes, in a sense, in a sense he, which we'll talk about in a second, um, he allows... He allows and even ordains evil and even um, sees, it, it's not it's that, that he is part of sin, that he right. tempts us, right? Because we're going to talk about that in a second. But he, um, <coughs> um, yeah, he's sovereign over even that in the sense that, um, how do I explain it?
4: And so he chooses not to intervene, though? Are yeah. you,
1: This, is, a, this about, is referring to the About reform? our sin, yes. Mm-hmm. The so uh, my understanding is that uh, there is um, God allows us to act in our out of our own will, um, but when when we act in goodness or when He stops us from, from doing evil, that's Him. Um, that that's Him exercising His um, His sovereignty over us. And he's he's saying whatever natural inclination you have towards this evil thing, um, I'm going to I'm going to act on act for, for my own sake so that you can do something good instead. Um, it's like I, I think um, and this is I think this is an example we've used in the past is the reformer understanding. If you want to put it in an illustration, is um, let's say there, there's a little girl who's running towards the, running out onto the street and this she's exercising her free will. Um, running onto the streets with uh, traffic right there is a bad thing, um, but because God is loving toward, or because the Father is loving towards his daughter, he is going to step in and and um, uh, and I guess in, in a sense violate her free will so that she doesn't run onto the streets. Um, so this is how God acts when it comes to this sort of stuff: <coughs> is that he um, he does step in and he does.
4: He does uh, work. Okay, because then the, always the question is, well, how do you, like, how does God choose who He's going to step in for, mm-hmm. and is that that's just something we'll never know? Yeah,
3: yeah. I think actually an important aspect to your question is um, a, an explicit understanding of w- the nature of evil. Um, and I think I used I used to have this um, understanding of evil in which I, I believe it was kind of this absolute abstract quantity, like did God create this thing called evil, like this thing called evil, or did he not? And uh, kind of more recently, the, the definition of evil that I have, and I think it's more orthodox now, is that um, evil is parasitic. It's, it's not kind of good versus evil. It seems that orthodoxy seems to indicate that good is is or sorry bad evil is ruined good it's good gone bad it's moldy bread it's not you know apples and grapes it's moldy bread or just good bread and that evil can't exist without good that seems to be the view of orthodoxy that you know um, if you will the devil was created it's not like You know, in the beginning, there was a yin and there was a yang. Mm -hmm. It was in the beginning, there was God, and He created all things. And and some of those things went bad. Mm -hmm. And so, this definition of evil that I have is more like good things that were used for the wrong reasons, or good things used to excess, or to um, or too little, or done at the wrong time. and In fact, (coughs) my my view. Of what happened in the garden, the nature of the tree of good and evil, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, reflects that. And that kind of goes off into a slight rabbit trail, so I'm not going to go there right now. Um, Yeah, I think that's an important aspect of the discussion.
0: Yeah, um, uh, let's look at some of the texts briefly and then we'll we'll touch on some of the things of how how evil is, right? So um, if you look at um, under evil, for predestination, we know we're, we're, we already talked about that a lot, right? Just uh, how God predestines us. Um, so let's look at evil. Um, Isaiah forty-five seven and Deuteronomy are a pretty good texts of how of how God um, how evil comes about, right? It's not that He creates evil in a sense, but that He He um, allows it, right? And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Isaiah 45, 7, it says, I form the light and create darkness. I make well-being and I create calamity. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 39 says, says, I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver out of my hands. And so, Genesis 50, 20, You meant evil against me, but God meant to forget. This is the story of Joseph and his brothers, right? His his brothers... um, they wanted to sell him to slavery, and they wanted to kill him at first, right? But they sold him to slavery, and just all this bad stuff happened to him, right? And at the end, he um, he he meets up with his brothers. Even Now that he's, like, under Pharaoh, he's super powerful, and now his brothers are scared of him, right? Like, he says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, right? So that he could deliver the people. Uh, Romans 9, 20 to 23. Um, let me just read this. Uh, but who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Well, that is. Mo- well what is Moldus say to his molder... Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honored use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show His wrath and to make known His power, has endeared with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of His glory for vessels of mercy which He has prepared beforehand for glory? And I don't know, that's, I mean, that's kind of a haunting text for me, right? Because mm. it's saying that in order to show His glory to those that he has called, to his elect, to those who he has prepared for, for glory, he, he prepares vessels of wrath, right? right? So to show his justice, to show, his, um, show all you know, the attributes that we would know otherwise not see, right? And so um, in a sense, is that fair? Um, when we talk about fairness, um, we've, we've said this so many times, right? Fairness is that we're all condemned, right? We looked at all the text of um, the text with our human free will, right? How we're so corrupt? How we cannot choose God? Like all of us ha- are, all of humanity. There is nobody that is righteous, right? So we're all condemned uh, uh, to inter- eternity in hell. But um, so we cannot say that 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 is not fair, right? If God decides to save some and not save others, like who are we to say that? Oh, that's not fair, right? Um, and so I think. For me, I, I've I really, even though it's hard to grasp, I've really appreciated um, this under, biblical understanding of how God um, works with evil and predestines us. It has made me appreciate grace that much more, right? Because I'd be like, oh, I could've been one of these these vegetable vessels prepared for <clears throat> for destruction, right? But, but I'm not, you know. We're not, right? God has elected us. God has saved us, and. Um, I think, I think this, this view is tough because it's like, no, that can't be right. How can God, like, how can God say say our our friends are going to hell and say that we um, are not, right? Why would He do that, right? And we don't know the ultimate answer we don't know um, because it doesn't say in the Bible. But what do we know of the Bible, right? And we know that He is sovereign. We know that he is, uh, that he elects, he predestines. We know that he is in control and even ordains evil. Um. know that he's. We know all of his attributes. We know he is good. He is holy. There is no evil within within him. Um, <laughs> if you look at, but God is neither evil nor responsible for evil. Some of the text down here. Just just read that. It's, it's, we and we know clearly that God is not evil,
4: right? The important part of the system, yes. is paradox. Yes. Um, if you're trying to resolve it in your mind and make sure everything is, um, fits and logically flows, you're approaching it incorrectly. Hmm. Um, If it doesn't seem to work out, then you're understanding it correctly. Because it's a paradox. God ordains and decrees evil because he's in control of everything. Nothing happens without his control. And yet, God is not morally responsible. He is not at fault for the evil that he allows. So how can those two things be simultaneously true? Mystery. It's a mystery. mystery. It's a paradox. So so, So I think... Paradox, actually, and I've come to appreciate this more deeply lately, paradox is one of the central features of Christianity. If you can't handle paradox, you can't be a Christian. Paradox is central to Christianity. And, and how some, some
0: theologians have explained this, reformed theologians have explained this, it's more philosophical because we don't... Ultimately, we, we it isn't, Scripture doesn't say clearly and exhaustively how this happens, right? right. It just happens, right? And so this is all... In the Bible, all of these things. How do we hold to it? It's paradox. It's mystery. But at the same time, we cannot neglect. We cannot say that God does this. We cannot say that God does this because we cannot grasp it, right? We say, "Oh, God can't. Um, um, he cannot uh, violate human free will. Like that's just you can't do that, right?" But where you know, it, he does that <laughs> in the Bible, right? He does that clearly. He does that often. He he does all these things right here, and so. When I read my Bible, I see all of these things. And as hard as some of these texts are to read, um, and some, a lot of times I don't understand it, um, this, this, this is there, right? These are the truths revealed to us. Um, I would rather hold to something that doesn't make sense, paradox, mystery, than to uh, feed my understanding of human free will into
4: um, the Bible and, and work through this crazy work around them. Maybe it's like what Angel was talking about in this lesson, the creator creation. Creation, yes. distinction. We as a creation will always, never comprehend yeah. completely Everything. the creator. So we'll always be in awe. Yes. <laughs> we'll always just say, I, "I cannot comprehend." It's
2: a little like when we're talking about the Trinity.
4: Yes.
2: It's not that the Trinity is contrary to logic. Um. So theologians looking at the Bible have. Know, have seen that the Bible says that God is one but the Bible also teaches that there are three persons um, and knowing that they haven't been able to explain how that all works but in order to safeguard those truths and to maintain that that's not logically inconsistent the fathers of the church have um, have tried to put it in certain um, terms of Greek philosophical language, so they'll say that God is one usia or one um, one, substance. one one substance, um, but He exists. Um, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are three um,
4: persons. persons. But you know, it's really persons. funny. because you interesting, like language, right? Like, what is substance? What is persons? It's right. They never even define it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so or, hard, yeah. originally
2: these these terms in Greek philosophy were actually used in a very a, a, a very similar manner but because of the um, because of the things that that had to be said, they, the, the theologians were mm-hmm. saying well they, they were using these different words to say, well, these are different things we don't really understand. What the difference is exactly, but there is some kind of difference. So then, God <coughs> isn't one and three in the same respect, because otherwise, you would be saying that one was equal to three, which would
0: not work. Yeah. And ultimately, I, I think like if we look at the last section where it says like why why does it matter? Um, this has helped me like significantly in understanding evil, right? Um, <laughs> uh, everyone, Armenians, and people with the living free well, view, like they say that God cannot ordained, he does not, he's not in responsible for evil, like, we believe that too But I said, we believe that uh, Reformed View believes that God is he, he does everything, right he's providential over every single thing even evil, as hard as that may sound but ultimately that comforts me because and I've said this, like, many times in uh, past Sunday schools, like, ultimately I don't know how to do that, but it is, <laughs> it know, we know that um, God is in control of it underlying every single action, God is in it um, even through death, even through like uh, um, all these bad things that we cannot, you know, we don't even want to think about. Um, as hard as it is to grasp, God is there. Like He doesn't, He's not responsible for it, but He He um, allows it, uh, He permits it for we don't know why, right? But we know that He's in control of it. But right? if we don't believe that He's in control of it, like as the open theist do, then it's, it's crazy, right? That's scary, right? A God that's not in control of evil is is uh, um, just chance. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really scary to me. Just God just react to people
3: like we do, you know? So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I wanted to add that uh, something that's kind of been very helpful helpful for me, yes. uh, kind of becoming reformed because I, I used to not be, mm-hmm. is this idea of um, a secret will, God's secret will. Yes. And that, that has yeah. two consequences. Mm-hmm. One which is, uh, it kind of answers uh, a lot of people's objection with, Calvinism that you know people become fatalistic or yes. kind of passive in that if God has a secret will and we and He knows who is elect but we do not and we're not allowed to know then in a way our our best assumption is actually to assume that everyone could be God's elect and act accordingly and it's not for us to say who is in fact God's elect and who is not and the other the other aspect to free will that I I find helpful is this idea that I kind of I, I don't know if this. I, I think this is helpful, and I think this is a view of orthodoxy. But I've not explicitly vetted this, vetted this, which is this idea that our choices are in fact real, but our freedom is mm-hmm. not in fact absolute because we're finite. Because we're creatures. Yes, yeah, that's good. I think the point. Yeah,
1: um,
0: yeah, exactly what you said about um, just the, the secret world. Like we we don't know. That that gives me a lot more comfort in how I approach things. I, I it makes me even more. that makes me not passive, but one allows me to be even more bold in reaching the loss, right, and, uh, and doing all these things that we're commanded to do, and right?
4: To be more loving. Yes. Because I think it's easy to think like, oh, it'd be better if we didn't know. But really, if, if, like if we think about, oh, what if we did know? Like, then would we would horrible. just ignore <laughs> everyone who was yeah <laughs> who was and, and like, like, say, well, like, you're you you're
0: yeah, so all this stuff is, like, you could talk about this for days. I mean, like, this, it took me a long time to figure this stuff out. And even that now, like, it's a very simple understanding of it. Yeah. There's just so much more to talk about. It, right? it so would be
3: a terrible reality if God gave us knowledge, but nothing but that. We could do nothing about it. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, let's pray. Uh, we're going to start in a few minutes. That was a good discussion. And um, there's always more time to talk about these things. Saturday, Sunday school. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for um, allowing us uh, to think and to to ponder and, and to wonder and to try to figure things out. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would just continue to grow us um, in affection and love for your word, that we would uh, not just take it lightly, but that we would um, understand that uh, our, our understanding of truth and life and, and you and us is just really affects how we live and how we understand things. And so we pray that we would grow in it, that it, we would become um, better Christians for it, and and just uh, understand um, things more, Father, that we can um, just fall more in love with you <laughs> again and again, Father. So thank you so much for all these things. We love you so much. Pray